listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Uh, so good to have you all with us this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, good morning. Glad to have you worship with us as well. My name is Adam McKeldry. I have the honor and privilege of serving here on staff as the associate pastor. And as you can see, we are in the midst of this series. We're in week four of Rooted series. And so we've been talking about these different aspects in our life that are crucial to our faith. And we started about talking the text. The text is the foundation for everything that we have, everything that we do, everything that we, our, our relationship with God is about. We, we learn about it right here. And we talked about prayer. Last week we got... Uh, a great sermon on repentance and a a fabulous picture of what that looks like as Josh traipsed through uh, the the auditorium here on the seats. If you haven't had a chance to catch up, uh, you've missed some of these sermons, you can get online, liferotp.com, and you can catch up there either by watching them or listening to them. And now as Gus said, we are going to be talking about worship today. And on Thursday, as we're doing our run-through, we usually stand here and I give whoever's teaching does a run-through of the sermon for the, for the team. And I made a crack about how, you know, I didn't feel like I was really going to be the best person to talk about worship because Greg hadn't given me an opportunity to audition for the worship team. Well, he did this morning. And I clammed up and I couldn't do it. So you guys are all lucky on that. But as you may guess, worship is something that we do see as very important, that we hold dear to our hearts here as a church, not just because, you know, we dedicate a half of our Sunday service to it or because we will have an entire evening dedicated to singing songs, but because we know how crucial it is for us in our relationship with God as individuals and as a community. And when we have this perspective that worship is only singing songs, which some of you may have that perspective, uh, we have an incomplete perspective of that. And that was the incomplete perspective that I had for most of my life. I grew up in the church. I grew up in three different denominations. And in every denomination, singing songs of praise was just part of what we did every Sunday morning. And as I grew in my understanding of faith and stuff, my, my understanding of, of worship was that, just, just singing songs. And what happened is, as I grew up and got older, and it was a teenager going to church and youth retreats, I started to define how God and I were doing, how our relationship was, based on the worship experience I had. Based on whether or not when I came in and was getting ready to sing, if I felt ready to sing, or if I raised my hands during worship, or closed my eyes, or if I got those warm feelings that the Holy Spirit will give you sometimes when you worship. Like that was the basis, the thermometer for me in knowing how I was doing with God. And for years, this is how I lived. Measuring my connection with the Lord 
based on how my experience was singing songs on a Sunday or in some other gathering. But that all changed about a decade ago. You see, about 10 years ago, I was on staff at a church in Missoula. It was an experience that I had there that God propelled me on a journey that I continue today to learn about what true worship is. I was leading the small group ministry there at this church, and I thought that everything was going great. It seemed like God was moving, that I was serving him as in the place that he wanted to be, me to be. People were growing, groups were growing, the church was growing. But then one day, the senior pastor asked me to sit down in a meeting with him. And so I sat down, and one of our elders was there. And I had no idea what we were about to talk about. But he said, you have two options. You can either resign, or you can be fired. And I was shocked, to say the least. This was out of left field for me. I had no idea what was going on. Being shocked and disappointed were just the initial feelings. The thing that I felt the most, though, was anger. Sure, I was angry at these two men that I had considered friends that I felt blindsided by that day, but even more than that, I was angry with God. Because here I was, doing the thing that I believed that he had called me to do. Doing the thing that I believed that he had put inside me to be a pastor, to, to live that out. And it was just getting tore away from me. I felt betrayed by God's people, and more so I felt betrayed by God. And so my relationship with him was broken. And it showed up in the way that I decided to worship. And since I believed that the truest form of my worship was what I experienced on Sunday mornings when I sang songs of praise about who God was, I would show up every Sunday at the same church because that's where my family was connected having on the outside looking like I have it all together, still going to life group, still being in an accountability group. But on the inside, I was just dead. And I would stand there every Sunday for over a year and never sing a word. Sometimes I would mouth it and pretend like I was singing, but I would not. Because my understanding of what worship was, my relation, the indicator of my relationship with God was whether or not I sang to him. And it was a very, very dark time in my life. But what I did not know then, but what I can see now is that throughout that whole time, that 16, 18 months of of me going through this, God never abandoned me. Through the course of that whole time, he was propelling me on this journey to find out what 
true worship is. And I want to invite you guys into where this journey has brought me as of just this week. Just this week as I was preparing, and actually the last few weeks too, and talking with different people about worship, where God has got me today. And what I want to do is I want to take us to a passage of scripture, a story from the life of Paul in Acts chapter 16. And it's a story about something that happens in his life, but it, I think it gives us a, a great picture of why we actually worship and how we can worship and what happens when we do. So if you have your Bibles, if you'll come over with me to Acts chapter 16. So we're going to be jumping in the middle of the chapter, so let me just catch you up with where we're at. Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's been working his way by foot through Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, has worked his way up into an area called Macedonia, or you may know it as Greece, and he is now in the city of Philippi. And he and his partners in ministry have been there for a while, and they are ministering, and they are sharing the gospel, and people's lives are being changed, and great things are happening, but as usually happens with Paul, he makes somebody mad. And so he makes somebody mad. They grab him and his buddy Silas and drag him before the city officials. And that's where we're going to jump into the story. This is verse 22 in Acts 16. It says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his household were baptized. And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Paul and Silas are in the middle of doing the work of the Lord. Telling people 
about his great mercies, telling people about Jesus and what he had done for them. And because of that, they find themselves in a deep, dark hole. Chained to a floor. Finding themselves in a moment where they could very easily become angry. Angry that they were there. But they choose to do something different. It is in that moment when they are in the darkest places that they choose to worship. They choose to worship. Why? Why would they choose to worship in a moment like this? When there seems to be no hope. Everything feels uncertain of what the next day will bring. Well, I was just talking with my mentor this week. We, I, I mentioned we ended up talking about this, this text. And because uh, he's like, oh, are you preaching? What are you preaching on? And I was telling him about worship and how I was struggling through it. And now this was going to be my anchor text. He's like, oh, there's a really cool thing. There's a connection here. A loose connection that scholars are still talking about that harkens back to Psalm 119. And you don't have this in your notes, and unfortunately, it's not going to be up here, but you'll just have to either go there with me or just listen. And whether or not Luke is actually doing this, making this connection, or if it's just a coincidence, is still a discussion, but I got to tell you, Every coincidence I find in the Bible is not so coincidental. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. But in Psalm 119, I believe we start to get a picture of why. Why these two men in the midst of being in this dark, dungy prison that they worship. This is Psalm 119 starting verse 57 says, you are my portion, Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all of my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. Though the wicked bind me with ropes, I will not forget your law. At midnight, I will rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I'm a friend to all who fear you, to all who follow your precepts. The earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Now, I'm sure some of you are like, okay, why is that the reason why? Like on a surface level reading, it feels like the reason why these guys would choose to worship is because God said so. Because this is, just seems to be talking about law and rules and decrees. Like why is that a good reason? But we have to remember something very important. Very important for the Jewish people 
back then and still today, the law is not a negative thing. The law was God's gift to his people. A very precious gift to his people. Because what it did is it took a nation who had been slaves for hundreds of years and it said, here is what I want you to do. Here is how I want you to live. So it gave them instructions on how to live. But not only... Not only that, they were not arbitrary instructions because what these instructions did were give them a picture of who God was. They could understand better who this God was that rescued them and put them on a path to restoration. By his laws, by his decrees. And what the psalmist is saying is As we learn what God's laws are, what his instructions are, what his desires are for how we should live, we learn about God. And because we learn about God, we learn that he is the reason why we worship. He and he alone. There is nothing that we can actually do or say. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with who God is. And, as, and, it, and it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, right? The psalmist talks about being chained up and still rising to to praise God. And that's exactly what Paul and Silas did. Chained to the floor, uncertain of their future, instead of choosing to be angry with the situation that they were in, they chose to worship God. They chose to walk God's path instead of their own. I'd venture to guess that some of you have experienced this yourselves. Or at least have witnessed it happen around you. We're in the midst of terrible, difficult things happening. A serious illness or a loss of a loved one. A loss of a job. Having no idea what the next day will hold. You've been able to still rise up and worship. Not because of anything that you have done or are going to do, because you have no control of your circumstances. And regardless of the circumstances, whether good or bad, you chose to rise up and worship because of who God is. And that was the only reason why. And that's because you have experienced who God is throughout your life. You've experienced his goodness. You've experienced his grace. You've experienced his love, his mercy. And when you've experienced that, you can't help but in those situations to rise up and worship.
that is my goal in life. I am striving to be that way more and more every day. Because I know that's not where I was 10 years ago. When I was in that dark place, like Paul and Silas, I didn't understand worship very well. I didn't understand why I would still worship in the midst of that difficult time. And so I chose not to. I did not realize that worship was much, much more than just singing songs. That is a part of it, a great part of it. But it was much more. And we saw that with Paul and Silas. Like they weren't just singing. Like there were other things going on, right? They were also praying. And we saw in this, the psalmist writings there that there is other aspects of what worship looks like. Like reading and studying and knowing God's word and, and actually doing it. Choosing to walk the path that God has set before them instead of the one that I want to walk. Those are ways to worship. Just a hint, we've been talking about those things, haven't we? Everything that we've been talking about so far in this Rooted series are ways to worship. We worship God as we study his word and get to know him better. And we get to understand that he is awesome. We worship God through our prayer life. When we live a life of prayer, and it is not just an event. We worship God when we choose to repent and stop going down the path that we have made for ourselves and get back on his path. Everything that we've talked about so far and everything we will continue to talk about in this series is worship. Everything that we do is worship. And this was something Paul knew intimately. It was something that he had experienced in this prison and probably the numerous other ones that he spent time in. But he knew that worship was more and that it encompassed everything about us. And he wanted to make sure that every believer knew that too. And he writes to the believers in Rome, in Romans, this exact thing. In Romans chapter 12, actually back up into chapter 11, starting at verse 33, he says this. Says, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And he goes on, therefore, because of all these things that I just said, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 12.2 has been one of my favorite verses for a very, very long time. I used to write the address, Romans 12.2, on all my golf balls because I knew it was going to be the most effective way for me to evangelize with all the ones that I'd lose when I'd play. But I didn't have a very accurate understanding, I, I don't think, at the time. So for me, I was just saw it as like this call to try to not be like the world and do the right things so that I would please God. But as I've been on this journey of finding out what true worship is, God has been encouraging me to look at the context of this whole section of what Paul is calling us to do. And because he starts, he's In this section, Paul is urging us to know and experience what true worship is with God. And he starts where we started, understanding that why we worship has nothing to do with ourselves. It has nothing to do with what we get out of it. It has everything to do with just who God is. Because of his greatness, Because of his awesomeness, his power, his majesty, because of his love, we worship. And how do we do that? Paul tells us, you do it by giving everything. You do it by offering every piece of you to God as a living sacrifice. I sacrifice all the things that I want, all the things that I desire, because as I learn who God is, I know those things don't matter. And so I can put all those things aside and I can worship God just because he is God. I can worship God by prioritizing time in my day to pray. I can worship God by taking the time to open my Bible and read it and learn it and live it out. I can worship God by being generous with my time, with the money that he gives me, with the talents that he has given me. I can worship God by serving others in my church and in my community. I can worship God by the way that I love and respect my wife. I can worship God by the way I love and care for my children. And I can worship God through song as well. Every part of me, every piece, everything I do is worship for God. And there are some really amazing things that happen when we worship God. 
in our truest form of worship, there are some amazing things that can happen. We saw a few of them in our passage from Acts 16. We had some prisoners that were there with Paul and Silas, right? Well, we're told that their prison doors flew open and their shackles fell off. But what did they choose to do? They chose to stay. Why? I would have been out of there. We're not told why, but I wonder, I wonder if it had something to do with the way they saw and heard Paul worship God in that moment, regardless of what was going on. And God showed up an entire family's life that day because of Paul and Silas's worship. The jailer who was about to kill himself, his life was spared. But not only that, but his family's life was forever changed because of the worship of Paul and Silas. And this is what happened to me. For a year and a half, nothing. Nothing between God and I. No worship, nothing. But one day, one day, God showed up and shook the foundations of who I was. And as I look back, I know that he was actually showing up every day I was just choosing to ignore it. And he was sprinkling seeds of hope all through my life. Through me watching and interacting with fellow believers and seeing how they were choosing to worship God in the midst of terrible circumstances going on in their own lives. I was trying to harden my heart but not everything got there. Because of the seeds of hope God was, was uh, sowing in me from seeing other people worship him, there were still some soft parts. And I can remember in August of 2014, standing in this worship service with my family, listening to songs that I've heard for the last year and a half, that I was ignoring everything that was going on. And God showed up and did something awesome. He flung open the doors of my heart. He broke the chains that I had put around myself to try to protect myself. And those fell away. And my heart began to soften And because of the worship of those who are around me, because of what I had seen, and because of what I heard and saw that morning, the words started to mean something to me again. I started to actually hear them. I started to actually believe them once again that These words about who God is 
are actually true. And so began my journey that continues with you guys today of finding out and experiencing what true worship is of our God and Father. And I'm learning lots every day. I'm learning what it looks like to worship God in truth. I'm learning to to worship God in, in humility, in repentance, in forgiveness, in love, in every part of me. And some days are better than others. Some days I still need my community to sing for me because I'm in a place where I just can't do it myself. Some days I still need my community to show me what it looks like to live sacrificial lives and model what true and proper worship is. I don't know where you guys are in your journeys of worship. I don't know if you guys are sitting here today and you maybe had an incomplete understanding of what worship is. And for you, it was just singing songs. I don't know if you're in a place where maybe you have a a better understanding, but you're in a place in life where you're in a deep, dark pit and it just, singing is impossible. And you need your community to sing for you. I want to urge you, brothers and sisters, to worship with everything that you are in every aspect of your life. Not just in here, but out there as well. I urge you to not be afraid of what people will think Because you choose to live differently and worship God in spirit and truth out there. I urge you to not be afraid of what people might think if they see you in here singing and raising your hands. This should be the safest place. I urge you to to worship in every part of who you are. And we're going to worship some more in a little bit, but we're going to do a different form of worship right now, and that is in communion. You know, if you're new with us here, we get a chance to, to celebrate this each week. And you don't have to be a, a partner or a member or regular tender here 
The invitation is open to anybody who is a follower of Jesus Christ to celebrate communion. So if you didn't get one of these elements, if you raise your hand, we've got some guys in the aisle that will bring you your elements. Jesus was our ultimate example of what it looks like to live sacrificially, to live a life of worship to God, and to offer everything. He showed us Yet again, how great God is by his choice to give up his life, by being crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, and rising again on the third day. Because of that, we worship. It was on the night that he was betrayed that he took the bread. After giving thanks, he passed it to his guys and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take this and eat in remembrance of me. Let us worship and remember together. And after the meal, he took the cup. So this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood. As often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me and what I have done for you. Let us remember well, Gus started our, our worship service off by stealing my, my uh, psalm. But he only read a portion of it. And I know some of you weren't here in the call to worship. So instead of closing us in prayer, I'm going to read it again. As we go into these last songs. Psalm 95. Come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. And the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God. And we are his people. The flock under his care. Come, let us worship. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.